You're listening to Sips of Sanity, your toolkit for emotional and intuitive intelligence, or what we like to call the dirty work. Let's do it. I see you finally got yourself comfortable. I see you-ish did. (laughs) Like, we teach about not people-pleasing, yeah, and we just 100, 200% actually, um, let the dog have the couch. Oh, we did. It, we actually <laughs> even like maneuvered into our spots so that he wouldn't have to move. Yeah, both so of us. We all have work to do. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> yes, that's pretty funny. So we are going to be talking about the seven levels of intimacy in this sub- this series of Sips of Sanity. Mm-hmm. And I do want to reference that I did a lot of research on it. And the book that I really enjoyed the most was was Matthew Kelly's book, The Seven Levels of Intimacy. Which is not like a new book. No. This thing has stood the test of time, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. So, Karen, who cares? Why do we care about this? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant, why do we care about Matthew Kelly writing the book? That's, totally. Like, that's funny. Why should someone care? Because intimacy is an intimidating word yeah. for a lot of people. Um, so why should we care about understanding this? Well, you know what, Kelly, when I read the book, uh, and the reason I did the research was to understand why some people's relationships are healthy and thriving, and some of my own, and why some of my relationships are not thriving, why they're just going into cycles, or perhaps why I'm frustrated, how they get, um... Um, roadblocked at certain places where I feel like I'm hitting my head against the wall and I'm saying the same damn things, conversation after conversation. And so when uh, when I dove into intimacy issues and then I found Matthew Kelly's book and I just started to listen to it on Audible, he's talking about these seven levels of intimacy. And when you actually go through them, you really can see where people want to stay at one level of intimacy, or they move to different ones um, for different reasons. Some because they're avoiding things, and some because they want control. And some because it's the most appropriate level of intimacy to stay at if it's not a very personal relationship. If you have a work-related boundary, if you and your boss are gaining rapport with each other, Mm -hmm. we're going to learn with the seven levels which one we should stop at Mm -hmm. when these are the hats that we wear in relation to each other versus with my partner, why are we stagnating at at level two? Why are we stagnating at level three? And can this help us explain the itch that we feel in our relationships if we are stagnating others or they are doing it to us. Yeah, you're right, Kelly. And that's one of the points he makes at the very beginning when we go to the very first level, actually. That's his biggest point is... Well, let's let's get into it because today is day one and it's level one. It's cliches. It's using cliches in conversations with others. And actually, the very first point that he makes is that it is necessary. It is actually very healthy to use cliches like, hey, how's your day? What do you think of the weather out there? Because that could be very appropriate if you're getting picked up by a driver <laughs> and your car is uh, going in for servicing and you're getting into a vehicle with a bunch of strangers and the driver is trying to create rapport, a sense of being comfortable, especially if it's a male 
and perhaps although there's a woman in the car and he's trying to say, I want you to be safe. It's just the two of us in the vehicle. I'm going to keep it light and surface. Yes. Okay. Can we pause for a second? Because I know you've got a slew of other great examples. Um, I think one of the best things that we can do is clarify for people that when we say cliches, when Matthew Kelly is presenting cliches, Mm -hmm. we're not necessarily referring to, what is it? A bird in hand is worth two in the bush. Or mm-hmm. killing two birds with one stone, like, or um, something about the sky as a farmer's delight. Like, it's not. <laughs> He's now taking more of the couch. Um, it's not those type of cliches where you're saying something, or you're saying nothing with a lot of words. No, it is actually. Pardon me. It's not just that. Oh, you're right. It is not just that. It's the everyday things that we say that there's an unspoken agreement that we're not really supposed to get the answer or necessarily need the answer. We've extended ourselves in kindness, like you said, to say you're safe here on the street or in this car, um, but we're not actually creating a connection. Mm-hmm. That's right. So we're using one example here like you just did. You used a very general example um, that could mean something light and easy, and it's just to sort of create a conversation or, you know, about the weather, or you say something that's just really general, because there is no expectation of a closer level of intimacy. So this could be, again, you meet somebody in the elevator, or you're just talking to your um, dental hygienist before you actually get your teeth cleaned, and you don't really... You're not going deeper with your hygienist that you see once a year to tell you or to tell them all about your kids. Maybe you're the type of client that comes in and just sits in the chair and says, hi, how are you? You do the general cliches and she moves on to start the job. And that's perfect. We want those cliches for those reasons. And they actually really do serve a purpose to make us comfortable, to make us feel like we can trust somebody, that we're not being threatened by somebody. There's great reason for those to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. There's kind of like an unspoken, I I will be professional, you please be professional, Mm -hmm. and let's both leave it here. Yeah. And then we can move on that in some friendships, say you have a big group of friends and you actually have two friends in that group that are your best friends and you go to deeper levels of intimacy with. You have more depth in the conversation of connectivity. But there might be five people in the group that you stay at cliches with because you're still in the group. You still all go out for dinner. You still all play volleyball together or you you go to the spa And when you see these five, you stay at that level of cliches. You answer them, you respond to them. It's good. So we're referring to like niceties. Yes. Essentially. Yeah. And you can stay there with those people and be respectful that that is exactly what you're all doing. And it's a good thing to know that's the expectation. It's Mm -hmm. an unspoken one. And we all know what happens if one person says, I think I'm going to move to another level of intimacy with you, and I'm going to actually start talking about something else, and I'm jumping to my feelings, or I'm jumping to my opinions on something, and all of a sudden they just stare at you blankly, and they turn their head to somebody else in the group, and they start talking, and they're basically saying to you, I'm not budging from cliches. Mm -hmm. It's up to you then, if you have that level of awareness now, to go, oh, noted, I just tried to move to a different level of a, of relationship with you, and you went, no, thank you. 
you ignored me, you gave me a stiff shoulder, <laughs> or rebuttal or refusal to do so by turning your body, addressing somebody else, or answering that question to somebody else instead of to you. Mm, good distinction. Right? So they could take your question and your attempt, turn to somebody else and start answering it, giving you clear indication not doing that with you. Mm-hmm. Can I can I go to another example? Because mm-hmm. um, I think one and two could be very um, like misconstrued uh, or mistaken for each other. Mm. And we're going to do number two tomorrow in mm-hmm. our Patreon tier for those who want to join us for the other six levels. Uh, and it's facts. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the cliche specifically when people say, beautiful day, eh? Right? When you're out for your walk, mm. like someone may sit there and go, well, Aren't they, aren't they sharing a fact? And it's like, well, it's subjective, so no. Um, they're, they're making conversation essentially to acknowledge your presence, which is a, a kind thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. If we're the only two people walking down the street and I'm keeping my eyes up to the sky and I refuse to acknowledge you, it's making people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, myself included. So this beautiful day A is one of those cliches that says, I'm acknowledging you and this is where we're going to stay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just just in case people are thinking like, well, wait, what's the difference between a cliche and a fact when we're communicating like that? Mm-hmm. And then if we move on to those relationships where we actually are, I'm going to say, expecting deeper levels of intimacy. So now let's go to a partner. Let's go to a confidant. Uh, and we'll word it that way right now so that people can go, oh, okay, I know what she means. And I know what she's talking about. So you might pull somebody into your mind that is a confidant for you. If they're giving you cliched answers, and this is somebody you live with, and um, you expect more, and they're responding with cliches to you. Well, wait, what like, did you give them? Take the higher road. Pardon me? Oh, so we're not starting with a confident by saying beautiful day, A. Eh? You're you're doing a whole new example altogether. I am. Okay. So now say you're actually trying to talk to them about something and you're explaining a situation and they say, oh, just take the higher road. Let it go. L- yeah. Now we're talking cliches. Like the, the standard, what the fuck did you just say or mean when you used all those words? <laughs> yes. And so now they might say something to you like, oh, you just can't let things go, can you? Like they're using a cliche paired with some verbal abuse there. Yeah. Yes. Plugged to another sips of sanity. <laughs> yes. And what they're doing is is they're they're avoiding um, actually speaking to you. They're avoiding answering you directly so that you actually have something to talk about. Yeah. So you might be saying something to them like, why do you keep dumping your clothes? Why do you, you know, how many times, you know, I've asked you 15 times for at least every single day for the last 15 freaking years and you're still doing it. And they go, oh, take the higher road or you, you can't get over this. Or you, you, Like they use all these cliches mm-hmm. to say, I am not going to actually discuss with you why I am not adulting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use a cliche to divert your attention, to piss you off, because I know the cliche pisses you off. So I'll just use it because it'll spin you out. <laughs> I can walk away and I, I don't, you're going to be so angry when mm-hmm. I use the cliche that now I can attack your anger. Yeah, now the focus has shifted. Yeah, the focus has shifted to the fact that I got you angry, which is what I intended to do by using the cliche. 
and let's attack you for your anger issues and say that you're you're abusive instead of dealing with the fact that I'm not adulting, that I have no intention to, and that it's a level of control for me. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to get you angry so that I have control in this relationship over your emotions because I can see that it dysregulates you. Cool. So let's, I want to summarize this what you're talking about. Because we started off this particular episode, episode one, by explaining where cliche is appropriate and is the only level that we should actually be trying to access with particular people in Mm -hmm. our lives, given the role. Then we're saying where the threat comes in, where if you are choosing to not go any deeper, choosing to stay at level one of intimacy, you are basically saying without words... I don't want to connect with you. Mm -hmm. So if someone is watching this today or listening to this and they're thinking like, oh, I don't really know what's going on in my relationship. I feel off. I can't really put my finger on why I don't feel connected to this person. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. I'm being stagnated at cliches. Then now we can have a conversation or you can have a conversation with your therapist to say, I know what's going on and where do I go from here? Yeah, and how do I how do I confront because these are confrontation skills? How do I confront this significant person in my life that is using using cliches to stonewall our intimacy? Mm-hmm. And then he turns around or she turns around or they turn around and want sex. They want a, a yes. different form of intimacy, a physical form with me. After they have stonewalled my emotions. And attacked my anger. Yeah, exactly. And where they think it's funny, or they think it's successful, or they think it's power tripping to do it, and then want me to be even more submissive, because when we get into sexual intimacy, we can be submissive. Mm -hmm. You're taking all of your clothes off, that's submissiveness. Yeah, and you're referring to male, female, and they. Yes. Right? No matter what, you're in a state of vulnerability in that situation. That's right. This is cool. And I think this will also help people understand that if you are missing the social cues mm-hmm. that someone is trying to put you back into the place of cliches, let's say you're at work, maybe you overshared, maybe they overshared, and now they're using cliches again, they might be trying to say to you, I regret that and I'd like to step back. Yeah. And we're both going to do that now and I'm going to make sure of it. And if you understand why people use cliches and you start recognizing what they are and who's using them, it's a really good tool to see, to check in with what you just said. Is somebody else putting me in a level of intimacy where I should be? So mm-hmm. if a boss or a coworker is saying, whoa, too much information, then you're able to go, oh, okay, or or some other cliche that is not as direct. Well, that's not a that's not a cliche. That's actually good healthy communication. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Can I give an example? Yes, go right ahead. What's coming to mind is if I'm walking into the office with coworkers in the morning and it's not you, um, and someone says to me, "Hey, good morning. How are you?" Right, and I'm like, actually, my husband's left me and he's trying to take the children with him and they're mm-hmm. like oh well you know we've all got our struggles okay good to know I tried to reach a different level of intimacy they hit me with a cliche in a response which mm-hmm. basically said you overshared don't you try that again yeah right that's what the cliche does is put up a big 
red stop sign in your face and say, no, 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 that's not where we're at. And that's not where I'm going. Yeah. And I think if somebody does that to you and you become aware of it and go, oh, okay, good to know. Thank you for letting me know. Um, I overshared. You might even approach them later and say, "Sorry about that." I am sorry about that. I overshared this morning, and uh, I that is noted, and I will not do it again. Thank you for letting me know. Mm-hmm. Now that's great communication, but if you then take a step back because they have put up the wall, and they approach you and start oversharing. You better notice this mm-hmm. because it can be that they don't want to hear your oversharing, but they sure as shit like doing their own. Good point. And that can be where you have to sit there and go, hmm, maybe this is a good time to use their own cliche back on them. And it might be, it might be completely appropriate yeah. to do it. It might also be really great if you guys could just have healthy communication yes. and say, okay, let's break this down here. I overshared and apologized. Yes. You then overshared. What am I supposed to be doing here at this point? Y- yeah, Kelly, that's good healthy communication. And I'm glad that you're always pointing that out, that people have better options. But I, I do point out the unhealthy option of the two, because I do believe that most people... Most people are not at the healthiest level that you're giving. I That's so fair, but that's not my job. Oh, no, I know. I like to point out both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So what we're trying to point out here today is in all different ways that cliches have a place. They have a healthy place. They can be used beautifully to create a process to connect to people. They can be part of that process and very necessary so that you don't skip steps either. Yeah, that's great. And there's uh, um, there's use for good cliches to set boundaries, um, to get to know people, to know the boundaries. But we also want to say, don't overuse them. Don't be abusive with them. Don't use them to avoid healthy communication, healthy confrontation skills, healthy boundaries healthy intimacy. Yeah. And if you are someone who's been listening to this today and you're like, Ooh, I don't know anything different. Okay. Yeah. Talk to a therapist, talk to a counselor, talk to a coach to say, Hey, um, I need help brainstorming those healthier options because I recognize I'm stuck using the cliches on others Mm -hmm. and I want more. Right. Speaking of, we have four more days. We have yes. six more levels of intimacy that we want to cover. And you guys can join us on patreon.com forward slash the Sarlos to hear the rest of the shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say maybe wish us luck getting off this couch. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Sips of Sanity. Catch the full monthly workshop on patreon.com forward slash the Sarlos.